Hi everyone, I'm Krina Okumus and this is the podcast. This is an interview series with known personalities from all over the world by exploring questions about life and learning how these people are dealing with pain, as we are all do, pressure and challenges in their private and professional life. I really hope you take a nugget of wisdom or two and you are improving your own life for better. On today's podcast, I'm speaking with Angela Lindvall, American model, actress, yogi, doula, and the mother of two beautiful boys. She was featured on many top magazine covers like Vogue, Elle, Harper's Bazaar, Marie Claire. Angela was always the world's top designer's favorite, for example, Karl Lagerfeld, Mucia Prada, and Stella McCartney. She worked for the Victoria's Secret fashion shows and also appeared in the Sport Illustrated. She really did almost everything in fashion industry. Today on the podcast, we are talking about her daily practice of self-care, another view on the fashion industry after becoming a mother, her new passion project called Peace Begins in Me, and other topics. Time is something that in one sense it's it's an illusion because we're eternal beings, but while we're here in this body, it's it's impermanent, right? So let's mm-hmm. just say that you have um a impermanent amount of time like a bank account mm-hmm. and every day it goes down by one dollar right yeah. right yeah I and know when this. we yeah. think about this, this like most people place value on money and and yeah. i don't know power or fame but really this this idea of time how valuable our time mm. is to me it just hit me so strong that what are we doing with our time and the people that we love and Mm-hmm. And so that's for me one of the most valuable things is that value of time. Now, let's get to my conversation with Angela Lindvall. It's a pleasure to be here. It's so wonderful to be able to connect for, with so much distance between us and be able to see and be intimate even though there's space. We definitely once we have to meet and hug you because we already had some beautiful projects together and thank you for that with Omnis.life and I'm so grateful for that. So hopefully once I will have uh, the moment when I can give you a very big hug. Oh, I, really I hope to so do that. too. <laughs> I hope so too. So Angela, um, let's start a little bit with the beginning. Uh, for the ones that they don't know you, which I don't know how many they are, um, mm-hmm. let's Let's start with, uh, I think, 16 or 16 years old when you Mm -hmm. start to enter in the fashion industry. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Well, that was probably one of the first um, extraordinary experiences that led to such huge life changes. I grew up in a small town. Um, There was five girls in my family. I'm number two, and then I have a brother. But I was really like the tomboy of the family, um, spending a lot of time in nature, catching frogs, climbing trees. And 
So my older sister had discovered this idea of modeling, but neither of us really knew what it was. I don't even think we really looked at fashion magazines. And so I kind of just got tagged along with her and we, we did this big fashion show in Kansas City that all of these agents from around the world came to watch. And I was literally like dumbfounded when they were interested in me coming to New York to do this. I'm like, really, me? I didn't even know you needed to be tall or thin or any of that. So um, that was the beginning of really an extraordinary journey into myself, into the world. Um, just really extraordinary, you know, being able to travel to so many places and meet so many incredible people. But there was times that I felt a little bit like a fish out of water, you know. But what, what do you, did you want to do? Like, what was your dream during that time? Well, I was uh, more of a creative type myself. So I was really into drawing and painting and um, working with nature, but I was so young, I hadn't really thought about what my long-term career was going to be. However, when I moved to New York and I started modeling, I got very interested in science and ecology. And back then was when our computers had still the green screens mm -hmm. and the printed paper was like corrugated paper with the holes on each side. And I got pretty obsessed with researching about our environment and what's in our food and what's in our water. I think because I was in New York City and I just questioned so much, I'm like, where does all of our trash <laughs> go? And, and I really wasn't aware of the environmental degradation we were facing on the planet. I was quite naive. So I got very, I became very passionate about that topic around the age of 17. I love that. It is so interesting that you started already on the age of 17, because we will discuss after this is a topic that you are developing yeah. and it's present in your life even stronger now. It wasn't um, a big conversation in the mainstream at the time. And of course, I was, you know, in the high fashion ring of the circus. Mm. And that really, I mean, there was challenges with that. But I think ultimately, it really brought me a lot of strength in terms mm -hmm. of knowing who I really am through those challenges because you get so identified with your external form and mm -hmm. you're, you're judged or you make money based on the way that you look. So, you know, there was challenging times to differentiate that that external image that people saw in the magazine is not who I am. So mm -hmm. I think it really led to a deeper self-discovery of what my true um, power is and who I truly mm -hmm. am. Um, and sometimes I think it is challenge that, that allows us to grow. It's that pressure mm -hmm. that we get put under in life that really is what makes us become a diamond, you know? Yeah, so beautiful. So you believe that these challenges basically help you to move further, that, further than just the fashion industry? Yeah, I mean, I, I really, 
I'm very grateful to all the experiences and opportunities that that mm -hmm. industry brought me to travel the world and, and be exposed to so many different ways of life and people, like pretty much the, the extremes mm -hmm. on either end. I'd sometimes go to third world countries and other times be at like the Cannes Film Festival, you know? So Amazing. it was interesting to see the dichotomy and it taught me a lot about people as well you know, just being around so many different diverse cultures and personalities, mm -hmm. it, it taught me, you know, traveling, that there's this similarity and thread that connects us all, even though we might come from a different culture or speak a different language. And, and I really appreciate that. I love it. If we are still um, staying in the fashion industry, um, you, I'm very curious about some topics here. First okay. of all, Vic Victoria's Secret topic. Is it really true that before of a fashion show, you really have to prepare, you have a personal trainer, like all these uh, stories that they are around? I'm sure that everybody is really curious to know. Yeah, I mean, you do. You, you're, you know that you're going to be walking down a runway with very little clothes on. So you think about that <laughs> and you're training and eating really well and and preparing yourself. But you also have to remember most of the girls that you see walking down the runway, they're between the age of 17 and 25. So mm -hmm. I don't know it's if you remember to... being that age, it was much easier. You didn't have to work as hard at it, so. That's true. And I really liked one example that uh, you mentioned once, being in Chanel and doing shopping for free, basically. How was that? Oh yeah. Oh my god. That gosh. was I was I, I, still I just hear it in back that. and I'm like I can't <laughs> believe I got to do that. Yeah, I actually got to do it twice. They are such a generous oh, wow. company and I I did I think about 3 or 4 of their advertising campaigns in a row and they were like, "Yeah, just go to the store, take what you want." I'm oh, like, "Really?" So, so how that was, was that because somehow somehow you want to take it but in the same time you cannot just empty the store, right? I didn't empty the store, but I got some very nice things that I still have oh, to I love it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's, that's a very good part of it. I love it. And you know what is very interesting? Because I, I was in the fashion industry and somehow it's kind of a conflict with what you did and what you are doing now. How oh. did you deal with that? Well, it's Cause... been a conflict for a long time. I mentioned, you know, being a passionate environmentalist as well. Mm -hmm. And I know the topic exactly. is a lot more spoken about now than it was 15, 20 years ago. Yeah. But I, I did feel conflicted in the sense of like, well, how can I represent a brand that is not in a line with what I believe or products that mm -hmm. I'd actually buy? And I think especially as I got older, I really started choosing to work with brands that were more in align with, with what I okay. believed in, like John Hardy or DKNY Pure. And now I'm working with, it's a small company, but I just love what they do. They're called Article 22 mm -hmm. and um, they're taking shrapnel from landmines in Laos and working with the Laotian people and they're creating jewelry. And so, so I was just really moved by what they're doing. And that's really where the name Peace Begins in Me started was from mm -hmm. this jewelry line because I thought it really represented this alchemy of transformation, taking something as dense and negative as, as war shrapnel and transforming it into a message of peace. And 
it just made me think so much about how each one of us as individuals, how mm -hmm. we really do impact the whole, like how you feel mm -hmm. or how whatever transformation you might be going through as an individual healing your heart, you're actually healing all of our hearts. And that resonates with me so much, just that individual impact that we have on the whole. How, how connected we are. I mean, probably you could already feel mm -hmm. that when we did it an omnis together, like the power of connectedness was, it's something so, yeah. so beautiful and so strong. That's yeah, true. and you know, we're living in a world right now where we're faced with so much fear, yeah, we're with so much uncertainty. Yeah. And, you know, I like to think about our potential because, mm -hmm. of course, all of those feelings are valid because there's real things going on in the planet. However, I love this power of potential and the power of imagination and vision that we can hold to say, okay, this is what we're dealing with. But through this incredible visionary aspect that we have within us, what kind of world would we like to see? What would we like to create? And that's really the power of individuals and connectedness. I love this. I yeah. love this. And it's, yeah, it's depending only of us. Um, we stay a little bit more into the fashion and then I promise we are moving further Absolutely. because I have so sure. many topics to speak with you about. But if, if we have now um, some young girls that they are listening, what mm. will be the advices that uh, you will give them after basing, based off your amazing um, fashion experience? Because you did everything. You were in the cover of... Mm -hmm. All the magazines that you could ever imagine from Vogue to Elle to Sport Illustrated, everywhere, everywhere. Like you basically did really everything. It, was it, by the way, is it something that you didn't do and you are sorry about? Like, was it something um, that you missed? There was one brand I never worked for that I thought I was perfect for, which is Ralph Lauren. Like I'm yeah. like a perfect you Ralph are, Lauren girl. Yes. But I mean, I guess you can't do everything. I did, I had the and opportunity to work with a lot of incredible brands and people. Um, but in terms of advice for, for young girls or women that, um, well, that want to go into fashion world mm -hmm. or even don't, you know, like I mentioned before, I think the number one thing is around that aspect of value and valuing ourselves because I think oftentimes people look at a model from the outside and they think, oh my God, she's got it all. She's beautiful. She's making money. She's got, you know, notoriety and prestige. And I believe oftentimes it's these women that are feeling the pressure maybe more than anyone because their values placed on this external beauty and, um, and, and really all these external things, you know, mm -hmm. and it's, it is so beautiful to use clothing and jewelry to adorn yourself. And I mm -hmm. think adorning ourselves as women and men is, is really important to celebrate our beauty. But when we start to um, think that's our value or think that that's what's going to make us better, it never is. It mm -hmm. really is an inside job. And it's that inner power and that inner energy mm -hmm. that beauty comes from and i really learned that whenever i started doing kundalini yoga as well because i would meet these women with just these auras that were 
you know, just shining so bright. I'm like, wow, these are some of the most beautiful women I've ever seen. And I'd spent a long time in the fashion industry. So I think that would probably be my biggest advice is, is to understand what your true value is and not identify with these external things that this really this world and industry have been um, triggering all women, you mm -hmm. know, of this thing like, oh, if you buy this product, then you'll be beautiful or you need this or you need that. And it's like, we're constantly never good enough and we're mm -hmm. picking ourselves apart and seeing that little wrinkle here, or that little roll over here. And, and mm -hmm. I think that that's a big part that I hopefully hopefully will evolve and change over the years as women are coming more and more together and connecting and supporting each other in those kinds of ways. I really hope so. Even though with the social media, somehow this is going even further. So mm. if you don't have this, this base that you mentioned and really figure out who you truly are, it's mm. quite difficult. And I don't know if you could really give even some more advice is like, how can we discover who we are? Because sometimes it's like, I think, I feel that this, we should really learn maybe kindergarten or first class, oh my gosh. you know, I why agree. we don't do that. Yeah, well, I think we could learn some really basic things like communication skills would be an incredible exactly. thing to learn from the time we're young, because those are things as an adult, I'm still learning, yes. you know, uh, conscious communication with my children, with my partner. And yes, how to go inward, how to find who we truly are without yeah. all these external identifications and we're having, we're really having to relearn all the basics. We're having to learn how Everything. to breathe again. We're learning how to eat. We're learning how to sleep. And these Everything. are just like basic qualities that in some ways we've become so disconnected from, from the core of life itself. And we've become mm -hmm. so busy, 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 busy. So, um, yeah. It, I think being in the fashion industry, there were things that were very, very challenging, like having to fit inside clothes that were so tiny and, mm -hmm. and be compared to so many other women and having all these eyes looking at you. But I think ultimately, like I mentioned before, it really is what helped me discover myself because I had to go beyond that and, and go inward and rise above. And fear has been like a really big thing for me lately, my biggest teacher and my biggest guiding force really to move past fear and to fear step of what? up to it. Uh, well, recently it's been um, stepping into the path of teaching, you know, and I finally mm -hmm. did that last year and launched Peace Begins in Me. Mm -hmm. And now I'm being called to teach online because of the world we live in. And mm -hmm. I was so resistant, but... I've been doing it and it's like every time I push past that fear and I really sit with fear and look at it, like, what am I really afraid of? And I sit with the experience of everything. I'm like, oh, this really isn't that bad. And this, this courageous kind of warrior willpower comes out in me and I'm like, okay, I'm just going to do it scared. I'm going to do it scared. And then it feels great afterwards. But the result, at least from, from, from my side, when we recorded, when we did actually the live together and you told me mm -hmm. I'm, I'm a little bit scared, it was one of, and it still is actually, one of the best meditation mm -hmm. that we had. And we had more than 150 teachers and most, they were really like quite impressive. And people, they were just asking about you and we were like, wow, 
It was well, so powerful, yeah, Angela. I started crying after I got your message because I thought I had messed up on one of them because my sound and my son was downstairs and he put on music or something. I'm like, oh my God. But I also, no. you know, that some of my students that came as well, they were just so genuine and watching people actually have an experience, mm -hmm. the energy they walk in with. And then after we do our class and they open their eyes, that's mm -hmm. what is just so moving for me. And I've had, I've had some classes of like influencer models and they're the most challenging ones for me. The most rewarding too. I really like Person, that challenge. You know? mm -hmm. I love yeah. it. And you're so good in that. You're so good, Thank honestly. You. I really love it and I can't wait for a, for a new meditation and follow your uh, your platform. I really have to join it as soon as possible oh, yeah. because I'm a well, big fan I'm of Well, I'm hoping to have something up very soon. It will at least be like have some things there while I'm recording the others. So at least, Perfect. you know, yeah, you can check it out. Perfect. I can't wait for more. Um, how did you deal, Angela, with... Um, toxic relationships and i'm speaking about friend girlfriends kind of especially in this industry how could you feel it and how could you deal with that especially in the industry that you are part of it well i think at the time i actually would internalize and take things personally and question myself mm -hmm. and you know i think a big part of my life has been learning healthy boundaries and healthy friendships and and learning how to set boundaries with people. And if someone doesn't respect my boundaries or my space to know how to in a healthy way without getting involved in a toxic um, combat or whatever, to just walk away and, and maybe cut ties if you have to. But I think so often we identify our um, self-worth around what other people think or what we exactly. think other people think. <laughs> yeah. A lot of times that's what it is. And, yeah. and we're never gonna find it there. You know, we're never gonna find mm -hmm. anything we're looking for outside of ourselves. It's like trying to catch an elusive butterfly, you know, and you open your hands and there's nothing there. So for me, like this inward journey of when I discovered Kundalini Yoga, that's what gave me a lot of these tools and resources to um build i guess that kind of will and build that internal power and to open my heart center to open up my intuitive centers so that i had more of this capacity to deal with external pressures and i guess that's like maybe a, a scientific or physiological way of of explaining how that energy works is creating the pressure from within and creating the energy from within so that you have the capacity to deal with the external pressures because we live in a in a physical yeah. world we're not just physical beings but we move in this vessel and this vessel mm -hmm. carries us through life and and we do need to take care of this vessel but we also have to take care of our energetic uh being and our hearts our feeling body and our mind and like you said these aren't things especially in the western culture that we're taught mm -hmm. so we're out seeking you know and then we find yeah. that's true you know it was really happened to me because i really had a very 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 close friend and uh, i realized that it's not what 
I need around me. And I realized that when um, the word shame is very interesting in the oh, relation yeah. with friends. And basically when you really trust in that person and you really share something really personal and that person actually had, doesn't have any empathy. Actually, um, uh, during a meditation, I really um, had this beautiful um, um, sentence from Brené Brown that she said, I will read it because I don't want to make a mistake. If we share our story with someone who responds with empathy and understanding, shame can't survive. And I love it. It's just- That gave me chills, yeah. It's so beautiful, but how, you know, like, it's like, it's tough, especially when you care about some friends, but somehow maybe when you evaluate or not evaluate, I don't want to sound somehow um, bad on the other side, but probably we just have to say goodbye to some, some people that we really love. We loved in yeah. the past, and right? It's, it's interesting because that aspect of vulnerability that Brene Brown talks about is so powerful, especially in intimate relationships with your mm -hmm. partner or with close friends, because in order to feel understood or really share who you are, you have to allow that space of vulnerability. But like you said, like we live in a culture that's so riddled with shame and yes. guilt and judgment. Mm -hmm that those and and oftentimes i think it's our own shame guilt and judgment that we have for ourselves that then we end up projecting on someone else because we're living with so much of that inside us it's easier to look at you and pick out the things about you that you should be shameful of because i don't want to look at mine and this mm -hmm. is all dysfunctional um you know relationship to oneself that gets carried through society and gets carried through, you know, intimate relationships. Mm -hmm. And I've seen it a lot, especially where we're at right now. There's so much fear around this pandemic and so much judgment. Mm -hmm. And I mean, especially in America, I don't know what it's like in Europe, but there's a lot of politicizing of this and judging and separating and, I'm like, wow, can you imagine this pandemic is hard enough as it is, but the separation that it's causing among people that love each other is, it's just very sad. It's super sad. Yeah. Um, let's move up something uh, more happy now. And uh, okay. actually it's so much about uh, how powerful you took this decision about the motherhood uh, mm. part of your life. And we speak about what, uh, the first uh, Dakota, right? Dakota, he, yeah. um, he came into your life when you turned 22, right? Yeah, I got pregnant at 22. I was at the height of my career. Exactly. I was pretty much told like, you know, if you have this baby, then your career is going to be over. Wow. And I was like, okay, well, I guess my career is going to be over then. And I also was going into motherhood knowing that I was doing it on my own initially. I ended up meeting a beautiful man while I was pregnant and he became Dakota's father. So, you know, that was a beautiful blessing, but I really went into it like, okay, this is, this is what I'm supposed to do. And every cell in my body told me, this is my calling. This is what I'm supposed so to do. Yeah. I love that. And I love that this is continue even now, supporting many other women being mm -hmm. a doula. Um, mm -hmm. How beautiful is that? Yes. That it was in you for such a long time and you develop it for so long. 
Yeah, well, I I did a lot of um, self-searching and questioning. Like I said, I was called so long to teach, but was resisting that. And I really was like, mm-hmm. what is my purpose? What is my purpose? And I was in this very deep meditation and tears just started coming down my eyes because the answer was so clear and so simple that it's to be the mother. And it just, it broke my heart in a way because I was like, wow, as if that's not enough. You know what I mean? It's like mm-hmm. the most important job that we mm-hmm. have when we become mothers and somehow it gets, um, it gets dismissed in a way like, oh, like you just, like if you don't work, if you're not working all the mm-hmm. time and you're just a mother, like that is frowned upon in this world today. Yeah, and I'm not crazy. saying that that's what every woman should do, but mm-hmm. it's, um, yeah, it just that that coming to me was so powerful and that's when I felt so secure in who I am and what I'm doing and um decided even more to hold these spaces for women to come together in these women's circles and to start my doula training. So how is this for you? Like how how do you feel it? How do you feel to be a supportive to be a support such a intimate support for this miracle that is happening. Well, I gotta say, I mean, I've, I've only do led two um, babies or mothers at this point, but somewhere around like three, four in the morning, you might be like, why am I doing this? (laughs) But when the baby's delivered and that magic, I mean, it's the veils Mm -hmm. open between Mm -hmm. the, the seen and the unseen realms and, and yeah, being there to support the mother through this most incredible process of her life, this magical journey, it just, it feels so good. It feels so good. And I feel like we need more of that and more education around the process of pregnancy and birth itself. You know, we've been doing this since the beginning of time and, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's turned into a medical procedure and it's actually Mm -hmm. not, I mean, Mm -hmm. it's good. We have the medical world to support us and, you know, if we have any complications, but it's just, it's the, it's the beauty of life It's the beauty of life. Yeah, that's true. So beautiful. And, um, I actually even thought about it and I don't think I'm ready for this yet, but did you know there's also uh, death doulas? So you can support people through their transition. Yeah. And it's so needed. Like it's, it's what we need more than everything at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Why this is not existing? Why there are existing so many other things? I I think we've become so, um, removed there was a time all of us in every culture we Mm -hmm. had more connection to the magic of life we had more ritual Mm -hmm. we had more you know um this relationship to birth and to death and to family and now it's like we're so busy in this busy world you know that Mm -hmm. we've lost touch with so much of this i guess esoteric kind of knowledge in a way Mm -hmm. and and rites passages um you know initiations and and i don't know i think it would be really beautiful to see some of those come back in a in a modern world and i do believe also even covid and this pandemic has has invited Mm -hmm. us to really go inward and to sit with ourselves and to look at our shadow and to evaluate our lives and what we do with our time 
You know, time is something that in one sense, it's, it's an illusion because we're eternal beings. But while we're here in this body, it's, it's impermanent, right? So let's mm -hmm. just say that you have um, a impermanent amount of time, like a bank account, mm -hmm. and every day it goes down by $1, right? Yeah. Right, yeah. I and when this. we yeah. think about this, this, like most people place value on money and and yeah. I don't know, power or fame, but really this, this idea of time, how valuable our time mm. is to me, just hit me so strong that what are we doing with our time and the people that we love? And, mm -hmm. and so that's for me, one of the most valuable things is that value of time. So, so, so powerful and so true. Somehow, in some moments, we f easy forget about it. I don't know why we have this, you know, I don't know if this has happened to, to you, but I am, especially now I'm in this time when I'm like, okay, we have to be grateful, I have to. And then I just enter in a routine and I forget. Mm -hmm. And then something bad, for, unfortunately, has to happen or like a kick something to yeah. remind me again and say, oh, wait, there, I have to continue in this direction. But it's normal. It's Bins. like our, it's our conditioning that we live in. Yeah. And that's where for me, like the, the idea of a daily practice is so important because mm -hmm. that's where I, I stop, I center, I actually connect and charge and I remember, and I might forget again, 20 minutes later when I'm mm -hmm. downstairs and my teenager talks back to me or something, you know, I might, but mm -hmm. at least I took that time to really charge and connect and to become still to remember you know mm -hmm. remember our infinity and remember this beautiful uh resource of life source energy that we have available to us all the time love it so because you mentioned this what is your daily um routine like how we, when you wake up in the morning i know you're a well, big fan of a cold shower i right? have this little space set up as my morning so my partner that. and i we're not necessarily ready to do like a full practice first thing in the morning mm -hmm. but we'll um generally sit down and come into our space and i'll use my little um my singing bowl and we'll just tune in with a, a mantra and then we'll go into the steam shower and we'll do a little meditating in there. I like killing two birds with one stone, talking about yeah. time yeah, and yeah, being yeah. efficient with time. I use a lot of things I don't like to do as my meditation now. Mm -hmm. So um, I do like <laughs> steaming, but you know, you get two things done at once and then I end in the cold shower. Yeah, I know you're a big fan of cold shower and I have to say for a few months I do the same and it's, oh, it's incredible, I love it. right? I love mm -hmm. it. I love it. Supposedly what you're doing is re-flooding your whole endocrine system, which is your the guardians of your health. You know, it's where mm -hmm. we produce our hormones and all of these things. You're flooding them with fresh blood whenever you go in the cold shower. You feel it after. You could really mm -hmm. feel it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And and after that, I know that um, food is a very important topic for you. So I really mm -hmm. would love to speak a, a little bit about that. Um, I love your lifestyle. Actually, my dream is to have a farm as well. Um, mm. Tell us a little bit about about your about about the food topic. Well, I went through. Well, 
Actually, since I got pregnant with Dakota, that's probably when I really started gravitating towards what I was eating. I think oftentimes when Mm -hmm. women get pregnant, they do. But I went through the Institute of Integrative Nutrition and became a certified health coach. I haven't actually been coaching anyone, but I learned so much. And what I liked the most about this particular school was there are thousands and thousands of philosophies on food, right? And different dietary theories and what works for one person doesn't necessarily work for another. So I really like this intuitive way of listening to our bodies and knowing what's right for us. And I also love this 80-20 rule because oftentimes there is, if we go back to the topic of shame and guilt, Mm -hmm. right? That gets associated with our behaviors, especially around food. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of people have these um, unhealthy eating habits or relationships to food that are like just pressured on with guilt. So I'm not a hundred percent kind of person. I love eating what grows on the earth in its whole form. So I love eating squash and vegetables and greens and, you know, uh, whole grains. That's my primary diet. I do eat some meat, but I try to make sure it's from a very, very good source. Mm -hmm. And, um, but at the end of the day, I also eat some bad things sometimes, you know. So you eat sugar, you eat gluten? Not a lot, but I will, Mm -hmm. yeah. If it's in an environment that I'm like in Italy and there's an amazing bowl of pasta, yeah. Yeah. I'll eat it and I'll take some enzymes. But I listen to my body because if I eat gluten every day for weeks on end, I start getting really bad bags under my eyes, my joints start to hurt, and I don't want to feel that way. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's like I try to make 80% of my diet eating really healthy, high vibes, and then 20% I give myself that space to enjoy whatever it is that might come in front of me that sounds good, that's like a nostalgic yeah. thing from my childhood or whatever, like comfort mm-hmm. food, I guess, um, without feeling guilty about it. And that, that was the same for any practice. I used to beat myself up if I didn't do my daily practice every day. And it's like, okay, that's counterintuitive. I'm beating myself up for not meditating. Like, <laughs> so, you know, I just, for that, I started with like, you know what, just do five minutes a day. And that was huge for mm-hmm. me because five minutes was hard to make an excuse not to do. And generally when I'd sit down for five, I'd stay for longer. And that's how I got into really establishing a daily practice without that resistance. Okay, so I I think that we have a a lot regarding this topic. I want to go back to the time when you had Dakota. And I don't want to let the things uh, um, in a way understandable because you went back to fashion industry after Mm, that. I did. Quite successful, I would say. How was that from from your eyes? Because basically... I suppose you change even much more after being a mother and how, how was it for you, this part? And I I like to give an example to others because you had the power to say, I'm following my intuition. I will have this baby. And you Mm -hmm. prove even more than that, that you had even much more bigger success after that. Yeah. And you know what, that's one of the first things in my life and it's continued in many subjects. When I trust my heart and my intuition, even if everyone else around is saying that doesn't make sense or there's more money over there, or 
it always works out when I trust and, and, mm -hmm. and have that faith. So Dakota was definitely, you know, uh, an example of that kind of miraculous uh, situation. But I remember to this day, after I went back, I was backstage at a fashion show after I'd had Dakota. And for a moment, I was like, whoa, everyone's changed. And then I realized I was like, no, you've changed. And it just became so clear to me about our perceptions and how our perceptions and our thoughts and our feelings create our reality. Because prior, I was so aware of the drama or the judgments or this diva or that diva. And I was so sensitive to all of that that when I went back after giving birth and now being responsible for a child, I had this maternal power inside of me. So it's like, I, I pushed a baby out. I can handle anything. So <laughs> I had this level of confidence and security with inside myself that all of a sudden my focus and my feelings and my thoughts and my awareness and perception was not on all of those things that used to really upset me and bother me now i was standing in this very grounded space and my whole experience had changed i thought everybody else changed but i was like wow actually it's me that changed <laughs> so it's oh. it was very interesting to see how one becoming a mother like you asked changed me so much but how our perceptions and our thoughts and our feelings create our reality oh that was a powerful one. Mm -hmm. And it also made my work seem, have more value. I knew why I was doing my work. It gave me um, way more sense of strength and confidence to say no. Like I knew what was more important, um, whether it was saying no to going to an invitation somewhere or to do a job. I, I just would say no much easier because you know, I had these little beans that needed mama. So yeah, after that, uh, we, we, we had the second beautiful um, boy, Sebastian. Mm -hmm. I love both names, I have to say. Thank you. <laughs> um, how, as a mother, as a mother, how do you are dealing with the whole education for the kids? Like how, how you do with that? Can, can you give some advices for some young mothers? Um, how, yeah. how you do it? Because it's such a big uh, responsibility. It really is. And like I mentioned before, uh, we don't live in a society so much that supports mm -hmm. the mother staying home at her, with her children when, especially when they're very young. And I don't place any judgment on that or say this is how it should be. But I just recognize that there's not a lot of support around that. And it is a very natural thing. So I think a lot of women feel so torn when she gives birth and then has to go back to work and struggle between being a mother and working and trying to do all that. So that I know is something that we as mothers struggle with a lot. And then who do we trust our children with when we are working and when it's time for them to go to school, where do we send them to school? And, you know, I'm now on the other end of it. Dakota graduated uh, high school Congratulations. this year. Yeah, I mean, it's a weird time to be graduating, but yeah, it's pretty yeah. incredible to have an 18-year-old son. But I put my kids in the Steiner School, 
And again, I'm an 80-20 person. I'm not uh, dogmatic in yoga. I'm not dogmatic on education. I try to steer clear of all that. But I love the philosophies of Rudolf Steiner of really allowing children to develop their senses and to um, come from this right brain that they're in and slowly develop into this more logical thinking and and holding this beautiful space for them to discover who they are. I loved that. But then, of course, you know, you can't isolate your kids from the world we live in. Mm -hmm. So they went to Waldorf, but they traveled and they saw death. They saw many things. And then they went to public high school, you know, and, mm -hmm. and I had to kind of just relinquish control in some ways because there's a certain level of exposure especially in Los Angeles to certain types of culture and mm -hmm. when you're a teenager or even when you're very young you know you're you're identifying who you are through your friends and you want to fit in Absolutely. and be accepted and so you know I would love to see our education systems implement more of this uh, natural way of, of um, educating and feeding mm -hmm. our bodies and our souls. I'd love to see more of that happen in, in um, I guess, public school systems. And I'd love to see our children supported through these times that are very hard for them, discovering who they are Mm -hmm. And part of that as mothers, I'm learning with where I'm at in the phase of parenting right now is to trust and allow. Because mm -hmm. my 15-year-old, he, he would prefer to spend a lot of his time in his room. And I don't let him spend it all. I'm like, you know, he'll go out and ride his motorcycle. He'll go see friends and stuff. But I also have to allow that time of separation. And it's it's so sad. It's such a weird phase of parenting I'm in because in one way, you don't want your children staying at home sucking on the tit forever you know mm -hmm. you want to feel good about them the the being that you guided and and going out on their own but it's just wow I never knew that this was gonna come I never knew I never was prepared for this and it's it's just it's a bittersweet thing you know yeah I already started to see it with seven How years old. old. Yes, yeah, seven. So I already started a little bit, not like you, but I started to really see it. And it's so much about um, dealing with the fear topic, like you mentioned, you know, like mm. something will happen, I, but I cannot keep her at home all the time. So yeah. it's about trust at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. And, and really empowering them. Um, one of the first workshops I ever did was a teen workshop, actually. Hardest, oh. hardest workshop to do yeah. with teenagers. Because they are but very honest too. <laughs> they're honest and they're rebels. And I actually used that as part of my way of breaking through what I wanted to teach them. Because their rebellious spirit is actually very powerful. You know, it's, it's their power to make choices. And that's something I've instilled in my boys is about your power of choice. At the end of the day, you get to choose how you want to live your life and all your choices impact your life. It impacts others around you. So that power of choice is, is something that I, I really like to see being developed in our, in our youth, you know, so that it's not coming from this place of needing to rebel for the sake of rebelling, but feeling empowered 
of, and I think that this generation, you know, of our children, they're going to be the ones that take this world and just turn it around with new technologies, new ways of thinking, new ways of being. And I think they're ready. It's interesting because like my son mentioned, the 18 year old, that ever since he was little, there's been all these movies about the end of the world in 2020 and, you know, hurricanes and tsunamis and and it's like, yeah, you've kind of environmental degradation, all of these things they've had to kind of grow up with as their mm-hmm. reality. But it, they're almost like, don't even think twice. They're like, yeah, that's stupid. You know, why would you mm-hmm. do that? So I really think they'll be the ones that come in with these new technologies and bring some beautiful gifts and healing to our planet. I believe so too about that. I mean, I do worry about the social media stuff that you mentioned mm, as well, because these devices that are sucking our kids in and, you know, we were, our kids were like experiment children. We didn't really know, but I almost feel like it would be good to put regulations on it, even for teenagers. I mean, it's probably too late for me to do that now, but if we had more education and information as parents, we can say, Mm -hmm. okay, here's a way to avoid this uh, addiction and association that comes with the the devices. You know, we're only Mm -hmm. learning now. Yeah. And uh, we have such a big responsibility because they can turn their life if they don't learn Mm -hmm. it in a proper way. That's Mm -hmm. the thing. It can be a tool. Yeah. It can be a wonderful tool, but it can also be something that takes us all kinds of weird directions it's a really tough one yeah that's uh that's a tough one um i discovered something um that it's very strong to my um to my personal experience when one morning i just received a call everything was perfect in my life and one morning i just received a call that my father had a car accident and Mm. my whole life completely changed i was super close to him and I know that you had you had a similar experience with your younger sister, which mm-hmm. is actually very similar age like I am. And um, I would like to discuss a little bit about the grieving part and how you went through that and what advices mm. you will give me and the ones that they are listening um, to go further to this. Yeah, well, I'm sorry to hear about your loss. And I know you, exactly... Prior to having As that well. kind of loss myself, um, yeah, I'm sorry. I, I didn't even know what that feels like, but it was honestly like being hit upside the head with a brick when you're not looking like, yeah. what? Like you just don't even believe it. And I think what Audrey, my sister, um, brought to me, I mean, I would rather not know this and still have her here, but she brought me so much wisdom and grace and understanding of, well, what I spoke about before, this impermanence of life and our time and what we do with our time and what we value. Mm -hmm. And honestly, she changed my life. She changed my life, um, made me just rethink everything. And there was a space of her that in those months after she died that she her presence was still very strong and it was almost like a telecommunication I had Mm -hmm. with her which was quite profound um 
but I guess I developed a, a more intimate relationship with death itself mm -hmm. because death is something everybody's afraid of and it's taboo in a way and we don't talk about it. But guess what? Every single one of us are going to experience yeah. it. It's the only thing that is happening for sure. It's happening for sure. We don't know when. It could be mm -hmm. very soon. It could be. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you know, it's, it, it, this time we have here is impermanent. We're all going to be born and we're all going to die. And there are mm -hmm. these beautiful flip sides of the coin. And one of the things I heard when Audrey passed was when a, what was it? It was something like, when a soul is born, we rejoice in um, laughter and the angels cry. And then when a soul dies, we cry and the angels rejoice to have oh, wow. um, us come back. And so, so I guess like for me, what helped me so much in having that in a way telepathic communication with Audrey when she passed was understanding this beautiful infinity that we are that we're we're impermanent but we're also infinite you know we we change forms and it doesn't take the the grieving away in the sense that that person you want to see their smile and their face and their touch and you miss them but it it definitely brought way more depth into my life my own life experience to live more fully yeah does that make sense totally for me it was the most difficult moment in the life but as well the most beautiful moment in my life because i am who i am now and starting with that process everything changed in my life i'm a totally mm. different person did you also so, have that kind of uh, communion that you felt with him outside of his physical body? I like to think that I'm still having that and it's more yeah. than six years. So I like yeah. to think, yeah, I, I still feel it. When, especially when I have uh, difficult moments, mm -hmm. um, I just ask for help and I feel he's there. So yeah. I, feel, I feel his, his energy and uh, yeah, that's my belief. So yeah it's beautiful and i don't know i th the topic of death i guess even especially now when we're living in the world with mm -hmm. a pandemic and this like we actually don't think about it or know but people are dying every single day right yeah. for many many right. years and now there's so much focus on that that mm -hmm. i don't think it's actually healthy for the psyche of people like mm -hmm. what, what we focus on on the news and project and project it like it grows so there's this like intense fear around this covid thing that you're gonna get and guess what i got covid i'm so happy i got covid now because really I'm like, so how yeah. was it you have to share was, with us <laughs> it was awesome man you should get it too <laughs> no, i'm just kidding <laughs> Well, I have, I no, have but like, a, there are so many theories about it, you know, like, oh my yeah, God, you're terrified, all, you right? Know, this, this fear that like you mentioned, it is creating all the time. Well, and that. that's what we hear <laughs> usually so are the worst. We hear the worst case scenarios too. And I'm not trying to take away from those because I know those exist. Yeah, for sure. But yeah. for us, I mean, I have a teenager and he brought me home COVID. <laughs> and 
they got COVID and they just had like very mild symptoms. Okay. And so we tested them and they were positive. And then I was like, okay, well, I might as well get COVID too because yeah. they, they were only like sick for maybe 24 hours and not even that bad. So I was okay. like, okay, I'm not going to isolate from you. Come give me a hug and kiss. And then <laughs> I got COVID too. And it was like feeling, honestly, if I didn't know COVID was going around, I maybe wouldn't even have known. I would have just thought oh, wow. I was really tired or I might've said, whoa, I'm feeling lightheaded today. That was all it was for us. And it makes me feel a lot better to know that, well, I'm grateful none of us got extremely sick. Yeah. But I think and it's it connected made, with your health, healthy lifestyle too, because you're is. eating there's healthy. A, there's a lot right? of uh, con components. And I listened to this incredible doctor scientist about this overall genomes that we are. We're all these incredible mm -hmm. genomes and micro... Um, like these uh, diverse environment this, that we mm -hmm. live in, right? And we're all living species and there's bacterias, like we're mostly bacterias. And, and it just made so much sense to think about like the health of our overall planet, like of our mother mm -hmm. earth and this, these viruses and bacterias that have been around since ancient times. And we actually adapt to them as well. But like the way the pesticides and the air pollution and cutting down our forests and doing all of these things that's creating an imbalance makes a lot of sense why we might be experiencing things like this to look at our overall health. And I do think having a strong immune system is going to help you through this. Of course, there's all those weird one in a million cases that you'll hear of somebody that was extremely healthy, that something yeah. bad happened. And that's, that really is life too. There's all kinds, like my sister going on her bike, like we didn't know she was going to get hit by a car. So mm -hmm. I think changing our relationship to death and not living in this panic of fear, taking care of our health. I mean, America is one of the most, one of the sickest countries in the world in terms of health and being on petro petrochemicals, basically, the pharmaceutical industry, um, eating really bad foods, pesticides. So all of these things, we can't just look at COVID and be like, oh, keep me away yeah. from COVID, lock me up. Like, let's think <laughs> about our overall health of how do we protect ourselves? How do we protect mm -hmm. those that are vulnerable? I think definitely we need to care for them, but yeah. we need to look at the overall health of the planet, our overall health, so that we can handle and sustain and evolve with these types of things that are coming. Um, but I, I, I don't know, I've become pretty passionate that this level of fear and separation has almost become worse than the pandemic, the pandemic itself. Yeah. I agree. And, and they say, even the CDC says 97% of people that get it will have mild symptoms, you know, so. Wow, such a big percent. I didn't know that. Wow, that's yeah. a good one. Yeah, it's actually, most people aren't going to get. But when you okay. start hearing numbers, you're like, whoa. But guess what? When you look at the number of people that die every day or every year, there's a lot of that too, you know? Oh. And and so, you know, it is part of this cycle. And I, I hope that we can find ways to get through this because it's it's been strange times for everyone super strange, super yeah. strange. um let's talk um a little bit about your amazing platform um how can, me. yes how how 
when started this idea and uh, what is the main main idea of it and uh, tell us more like when you started to to think about creating this uh, platform well it's actually kind of sad because it was at least six years it took me that long to get over my fear and self-judgment and all these things um it also took me time i'm glad i took the time to develop as well but i went through I went through teacher training for Kundalini Yoga about 12 years ago, and I wow. went through the Institute of Integrative Nutrition probably 10 years ago. So I had all this knowledge and tools, tools and yeah. experience that was just changed my life. And um, also being in the fashion industry and so much around beauty and health and what mm -hmm. we put in our bodies and in our skin, I wanted to create a platform that was really about this and, and giving tools, but I was honestly terrified. I was terrified about being seen. I was terrified to use my voice, especially as a model, because I was just a face, right? And mm -hmm. there's a lot of stigmas around that as well. Like, oh, you're just a pretty face, you know? It's like, so those are yeah. things I had to break through and uh, develop the courage within myself and also my own capability. I didn't know if I was capable. And now I know what I'm not capable of. I'm really bad with technology. That That's like <laughs> held, held me back in ways. But now I have somebody on board with me that's a, now a collaboration that they're excellent at that. So, Perfect. so he's going to be able to help me um, do all the things I don't know how to do and, and be able to share my gifts. So now I feel very strongly about doing this because I started with teaching um, live here on my land, having yoga classes, having women's circles, having these um, mini kind of workshops. And wow, it's just so moving and so beautiful and so, so much uh, growth within myself because I, I don't ever want to come across like, oh, I'm the teacher, I'm a guru and get some spiritual ego because I'm not, you know, mm -hmm. I've... I've grown in astronomical ways through my life. I probably have experiences that could help others. I have tools and techniques that I've learned from the ancient yogic sciences that are like, wow, this is cool stuff. And I, it, I'm really passionate about it, but I don't ever want to come across as some like, you know, guru person ever. I just want to hold space for others to go within and find that space within themselves because that's where it's at each and every one of us has this within us to just plug in to source and and have this connection and experience so that's what really just um stepping into it a year ago and just going for it live was um so moving and beautiful to watch people transform and come together and share and the power of women coming together and being vulnerable and expressing what's going on inside of us. You, you just, you learn so much because you don't feel so alone. You feel heard and listened to and held. And so, yeah, so now um, I'm, I'm being called and, and thank you COVID for that, you know, because I probably would have way longer <laughs> to finally be like, let's go online. And, I just went to Utah last month and I said, okay, let's just record. Let's just do this. I don't have to show anyone. We can throw them away, but let's just see what it feels like. And it felt really, really good. 
so you so recorded have, meditation and yoga classes meditation and yoga classes some I of them that. are only like 10 minutes long some of them are like 45 Perfect. minutes long and um yeah i love doing it i really do I love doing it and I should have at least three up on my website here soon because I have eight made and a few of them are uh, introductory kind of teaching about the science, teaching about the techniques so that when you do the class, you have all of that available. So yeah, I'll have something up very soon just while we're building, while we're under construction and um, we'll see, you know, I, I, heard this really beautiful saying from Guru Jagat. She said, in anything you do in business or whatever, you have to remember the 33% rule, which is 33% of people will love you. 33% of people will not like you at all. And then 33% of people won't care. And that gave me such relief because it's like, well, of course, not everyone's going to want to do this yoga or meditation, but the 33% of people that want to and enjoy it, that's that's who I'm doing it for. You can change basically the life of these 30, 33, mm. right? Yeah, 33. 33, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, it changed my life. I'm so grateful for my teacher. Uh, her name's Sukdev Jackson. She just, she was the one that encouraged me to go through teacher training. And, you know, and a lot of these tools are actually, they're ancient, but they're quite simple ways for uh, that we can use throughout our day and our daily lives that really help us. It's working with our nervous system, which is, you know, mm, a lot so of times important. overtaxed or stressed out and we're having these nervous responses. And then we have this beautiful parasympathetic nervous system that's built in. If we mm. ignite it, then it heals our body and it restores. And, you know, the intricate system we mentioned with the cold showers, you're also stimulating that by focusing at the third eye that shoots a, a heat or like a ray to the pineal gland. The pineal mm -hmm. gland then decalcifies, secretes and opens the 10th gate. I mean, this stuff to me is, is just fascinating and the energies of the body and yeah, so. I can't wait, Angela, really. I can't wait <laughs> to be part of it. And I'm sure awesome. that many, many others. And it's so much needed now. And you're such an inspiration for so many. So I really hope so. I really hope uh, it will uh, move really fast and we can really join uh, Thank um, you. this amazing platform. What is your favorite mantra? Now I start to discover the mantras and I have to say they are helping me so much. Aren't they powerful? They I are so as, powerful. As a Western world, I think a lot of times we feel weird because it's not part of our upbringing or culture. Yeah. But when you finally move past that and do them, it's really working with the sound. In my lineage, we call it the nod. And it's the power of frequency and sound that changes our whole structure. And there's even more science when you do the, the mantra that the tongue is hitting different meridian points on the roof of the mouth that then stimulates the okay. hypothymus and, and all these incredible things. But um, so for me, a lot of times... One of my favorite ones is one of the most simple ones. And it's one I teach a lot in class because it's so simple. It's just, well, I think the Tibetans in one lineage say Om Soham. And in my lineage, they say Ong Sohang. And it just means creative consciousness. I am that. So it's like just so vibrating with the creative life force of the, of the cosmos. And so you're just 
and because it's so simple, you get in that repetitive just vibration. And I think especially for people that might have a hard time um, quieting the mind in meditation, I feel that these mantras are really helpful to stop the mind from going. Yes, I totally agree. I do this especially when I'm so stressed. And I have to say this is working. Like, um, you, we are very, I have like two more questions. Um, And um, you mentioned the beauty part. But Mm. I really want to ask you because I love the way how you describe beauty. And I would love if you can tell us what is beauty for you? Mm. Well, it's so interesting because I've recognized that how we see ourselves is how our beauty is. Like, it's this very interesting thing I think most women can relate. One day you look in the mirror and you're like, oh my God, I'm hideous. And you're the same person. But two Mm -hmm. days later, you're like, oh, I look pretty good, you know? And so it just goes to show like the way that we're feeling inside or how we're choosing what we're focusing on has such an impact. So I started doing this practice because I think I actually even developed a little bit of dysmorphia being a model um, because you're so focused. So I've had to like retrain myself. So what I started doing was looking instead of looking at my face or looking at my lips or looking at something that, you know, is imperfect. I look into my eyes now and I look deep into my eyes and I look at my soul and I just say like something nice to myself. Like I love you or, you know, whether it's quietly or out loud. And and I try to focus on that more and that's changed the way I look at myself. And I mean, beauty really is this resonance. It's this resonance, this energy that we carry and really in our grace, you know, this, this grace that we carry and this light that we carry. And I think that's, I mean, obviously there's so many different shapes of noses and lips and this and that, and everybody's got different beautiful characteristics, but it's really our inner light that, that makes us beautiful. I love it. I love it so much. And especially because you saw that part of the beauty, the fashion industry and everything. And Mm -hmm. to really have this as a, you know, as the definition of beauty, I think it's so powerful and Mm -hmm. I loved it. The last question, um, for the ones that they want to make a big change in their life or they are in the transition time, can you please give them some advices because we have so many, and especially mm-hmm. with the whole time that we are now, things are changing. Yeah. What if they, if the, you have to give them like one or two advices or I don't know, whatever you think it's so powerful for that they can use. Well, what will be? Um, one, okay. The, the, I'll say very simply two things. Two mm-hmm. things would be becoming aware of the thoughts and stories that we tell ourselves And there's a really simple exercise that we do at some of our workshops where we write these out. So we write out whatever these old thought forms are or stories or ideas that are not serving us. Like you just write it in one sentence and you get it all out on paper. Then you go back and you look at that sentence and you find a way to reframe that into a new, um, a new statement that you believe. So say you wrote down, 
I'm fat. And that's mm -hmm. a story you keep telling yourself. You wouldn't necessarily write down, I'm skinny, because you don't believe that, but you could rewrite, I have the capability to um, invest into my body and my life or whatever. So I think this, it's creating new neural pathways, really. And when we keep telling ourselves and these thoughts over and over again, that's what shapes our world. And especially when we're in a low place or we're in a place where we want to bring in change or mm -hmm. I think that becoming aware and really looking at these, these things we keep telling ourselves is really important. So that would be one, but then we also like, what if our minds are out of control <laughs> and we can't get them to stop? Mm -hmm. That's what I'd say is finding that daily practice where you can sit with your soul and I love working with light energy, right? I just, I feel like there's a lot of unseen aspects of ourselves that we don't see with our two eyes. But when we close our eyes and look with our inner eye, we're these incredible light beings. Mm -hmm. So kind of taking time to charge with light through our hands, through our crown, into our heart and breathing in the soothing love and light that's available to us. I think that that can be really supportive if you're going through a time of grieving or a time of feeling lost or confused or feeling low or down on yourself, really connecting with that higher aspect of your being and all of life energy that's beyond all these social constructs and ideas can give you that energy and charge you and to get your mind quiet and then to really look and spend time looking at those thought forms and belief systems that a lot of times aren't real, but they're dominating our lives. I love we it. We believe them, yeah. I love it. Thank you, Angela. I think what you are doing, it's so necessary and it's so beautiful. I wish you all the best and good luck with all your future projects, especially with a project that I know you care so much, which is called Peace Begin in Me. That was the mother, the model, the actress, yogi, and doula, Angela Lindvall. For more inspiring interviews like Angela's, head it over to the iTunes podcast or subscribe to my YouTube channel. I have so many more surprises coming soon. If you like the today's show, please share it with your friends, family, and community. I'm Krina Okumus, and you've been listening to the live podcast.